For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. As Future Rich, I'm Barbara Ginty, your host and also a CFP, which is a certified financial planner. And I'm here with my guest today, Lindsay. Lindsay Stanberry is the work and money editor at Refinery29. And she provides young women with the smart, entertaining financial and career advice they deserve. She developed her passion for these topics after her story, How I Saved $100,000 to Buy an Apartment, massively resonated with Refinery's readers. Lindsay is the author of Money Diaries, Everything You've Ever Wanted to Know About Your Finances and Everyone Else's, and the co-host of Money Diaries, the podcast. She lives in Brooklyn with her frugal husband and expensive toddler. I like that description. Thank you. It is expensive. Kids are expensive. They are. They're really expensive. Well, thank you for joining us. So I appreciate you coming in. We're in studio for our listeners. We'll notice the audio quality is much better today. It's very exciting. I know. It's fun, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And we met because I was one of your financial experts in the book. Yeah, I think you like randomly emailed me, right? I did. And I was looking for (laughs) new contributors. I'm always looking for female financial planners who kind of get it. There's not a lot of female financial planners. No, and most of them don't get it. (laughs) I'm glad that I'm in the get it category. You are, you are. And I was working on the book and we talked about estate planning a lot. That was a big topic that we covered. It's a topic that no one talks about because I think that you don't need to worry about it until you have an estate or you have this massive net worth and that's not the case. Yeah, it's not the case at all. Although every time sitting here talking to you, it's like, shit, I still haven't done that. Oh, I was just going to be like the reason we ended up talking about it because the one question when I always say people say, I don't need estate planning, the first thing I ask yeah. is, do you have a work plan at work? And most people do. Yes, I uh, think I did. I have life insurance. I just good. don't have a will. I need one of those. You do need one of those. Yeah. Yeah. And the, you know what the easy fix, like the quick fix for it? Like if mm-hmm. you just want to check it off the box and, and then wait until you have more time to do the attorney portion, you could download one off LegalZoom. Yeah. It's better to meet with an attorney. But that's like a band, a good Band-Aid. A good Band-Aid. For a temporary. Yeah. Because it still works. I really need to do that. 
Yeah, because you want the guardianship provision. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I can't get into that. We too won't, much, but we're yeah. not going to delve into the estate plan, but we have a really, the book is wonderful. You should pick up a copy at Amazon. You can do it on Amazon. Yeah. And Barbara gives lots of really good advice. <laughs> Thank you. So we won't dive into estate planning today, but we did meet through the book. Um, and Lindsay's money, for most of our listeners, most people follow Money Diaries, but for those of you who don't follow Money Diaries, you should check it out on Refinery29's website, but you have a cult following. Yeah, it is. It's really popular. It's our daily financial column. We publish almost 365 days a year. We take Christmas and New Year's off. Um, and I'm curious, how do you, people write in them, right? People submit them. Okay. We get three or four a day. Wow. And so for people who don't listen, it's young women, mostly millennial women, um, track their spending over seven days, but then they go into details about their rent, their 401k, um, their life, their life, a lot of details about their work, their relationships, lots of euphemisms for sex, which is really funny. <laughs> yeah, they give of, you everything. Lots of cuddling. Uh, <laughs> I just rolled my eyes. Um, they're really fun, though. And we've published more than a thousand at this point. It's really incredible. We pu started publishing in January 2016. Oh, it just, uh, my question to you was when did it actually, what was the official launch date of it? Yeah, we started doing them weekly. Um, and it all came out of you publishing an article about saving. So, yes, there, um, I published, I started writing work and money content at Refinery. I started at Refinery actually as a copy editor oh, wow. and I'm a really bad copy editor. <laughs> yeah. Terrible. Um, and while I was there, we started talking about, you know, different ways that we could talk to our audience about money. And, uh, you know, that was, what year was that? Like 2014. And I was really tired of the conversation around millennials and money and that it was like so negative because mm -hmm. my husband and I were really good at saving and we saved all this money to buy an apartment. And I thought, if I feel this way, other people probably feel this way. So I wrote a story about how we saved a lot of money and I went into all the gory details of my husband's, you know, peanut butter habits. He ate peanut butter every day at the time. And we like never take cabs and we <laughs> never went to brunch. But, like and all the sacrifices. All the sacrifices that we made to save up this money. Um, and it really resonated with our readers. It was really amazing to see that happen. And that kind of began the work and money journey at Refinery and telling these really personal stories. And I found that that was a really good way in for women to start talking about money. If I shared my stories, if I started asking the hard questions about, you know, how do you manage your 401k or why do you actually need a credit card when, you know, the typical narrative is that women are bad with credit and they're just going to go and like run up a huge credit card bill, which, which is, is not true, not true at all. So that you open, you open it up and make it a more comfortable space when you share something personal than someone else feels comfortable saying, oh, I can relate or I, I can relate or I don't relate at all, but this is my experience. Right. And so we had seen that, you know, these personal stories were doing really well. And an editor that I work with, Jessica Chow, came to me and said, we should do money diaries. And I was like, oh, no, it sounds like it might be boring. It might be like too drive right to yeah, just like read about like, like receipts I thought it was just going to be people giving their receipts and you see the ones that we get in and sometimes people just give like and that's not that entertaining like I want to know why you spent that money yes <laughs> yes why did you go to sweet green and spend 15 dollars on a salad with you know your best friend from work so you could vent about your bad boss like right those are the anecdotes what, that we're looking for yeah like when we know that your bank account was <laughs> at 20 yeah before exactly. you went to sweet exactly green. before you went to sweet green so they've been really entertaining from the very first one the woman I always say she did coke on a tender date which was 
just like crazy. And I was like, oh, they're going to share way more oh, than just their receipts. Um, and it was a hit from the beginning. We didn't have the form at first. There's an online form that readers okay. can fill out. Um, it, it was just like Google Docs. And we had, we would like assign people a week that they could do it. It was really funny. And then eventually it just kind of blew up. And I was very lucky because somebody on our product team is a huge fan of Money Diaries. And she basically in her spare time created this form for us to go so they guide it so that it's more consistent with the and it fills in in the back end of our our content management system so it just made publishing it much easier it made it easier for readers to submit and it just was a game changer and we were able to go from publishing once a week to publishing three days a week to daily to daily that's a big difference yeah it's a big difference a lot of we have a full-time production assistant who reads all the diaries that comes in and edits them and then I give them a final edit before we publish wow and then that's what led to the book yeah that's what led to the book so we were seeing a lot of popularity with those and our editor-in-chief was like Lindsay you should write a book and I was like I don't know anything about (laughs) writing a book but yeah I thought it was a great idea and a chance to marry the diaries, which are so fun and voyeuristic, mm-hmm. with a financial education that I'm so passionate about. So it, the book was really an opportunity to marry the voyeurism of the diaries, which was so fun, and right. the financial education, which is so important, and really begin to encourage women to think about financial education as more lifestyle-based mm-hmm. than like dollars and cents, right? It, the, the math stuff that gets so complicated. Because well, a lot of people say to me that come into my office say, well, I'm not really good with math. Mm-hmm. It's like, you don't have to be good at math to do this. No, it has like very little Little to to do do with math. math. It's more like your hopes and dreams. Where you want to go long term with your finances and then you can work backwards. And if there is math, I mean, it's just simple math. You could use a calculator. It's really simple. Yeah, it's not, we're not going to be using like a Texas instrument calculator and running all these crazy scenarios. I was at an event recently with a bunch of college students and they started asking me a bunch of financial terms. And I was like, I actually have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Yes, it was like derivatives and things like that. And I was like, you, derivatives you doesn't have anything to do with this. No, you don't need that. It's all really, ba- it's, I don't want to yeah. say I call it basic, it, but when it comes down, the fundamentals are what are the key to you succeeding and the fundamentals anybody can understand. And what I always like to tell people is if you go in to meet with, we just had a follow-up interview for one of our guests and she went to go meet with the financial advisor and she's like really excited to come in and tell us. But when you go to meet, if you go to sit down with somebody, if you feel like they're talking over your head or you don't understand it, that's probably not the right person for you. Yeah, I always say that. I think, I mean, when I said at the beginning that you get it, I think that that's a really big part of it. So much of this industry is filled with jargon and there's mm-hmm. so many barriers to entry. And it's really, it's terrible that it's like that. Oh, it shouldn't be. Cause this, is, this is information that you need to succeed in your life. Everyone's in this game, right? Yeah. Like we're all participating. Yeah. So you need the knowledge to succeed and the knowledge should be readily available and in English. It shouldn't be in industry jargon with all these barriers to entry. Yeah. So that's the, really has been the goal for us at Refinery29 with work and money and with the book that we take the jargon and we make it accessible. Not dumb it down because that was really important to me too when I started writing about this and I looked around the kind of content that was available for young women was either really stupid, like don't buy lattes, which is just terrible advice, or super, you know, sports laden metaphors that were not. I mean, I don't. I got asked today, like, so what sports teams do you follow? And I was like, uh, none. None. <laughs> I follow zero sports teams. 
like Jim Cramer yelling at you. It's like, I don't want to be yelled at. I really don't want to be yelled I at. I definitely don't want to be yelled Money at. Money causes me enough anxiety without somebody like screaming at me. Yes. And I don't want an analogy for a sports team and I have to look up like how many people are on the team. Like, yeah. I don't know how many yeah. people are on that side of the team. Yeah. Defense or off. I don't know what you're talking about. It was a cheerleader in seventh grade. And one time we had to ask the football players on the team if they were playing offense or defense. So. I was just at a meeting and they're like, we should go to this. We're meeting at this town for this next meeting. And like this team is playing. And I was like, is it football or basketball? Yeah. I don't, to, I don't like like to raise my hand and be like, I don't know what team, like what sport we're going to see. But yes, yeah, sounds great. I'm in. That's <laughs> when you like write it down and Google it later, right? Yes. Juicy I, I definitely. Yeah. Don't tell them that you don't know. I one time sent an email and I was like, oh, yeah, I like the San Francisco Giants. And they're like, no, New York. And I was like, geez, wrong sport. <laughs> But no, I agree. It, it doesn't need to be dumbed down. It just needs it needs to be related to your life so you can see the importance of it. And so yeah. not buying a latte is blanket advice, but it doesn't tell you what, like, why are you not buying a latte? What is it going to get you? And maybe it's not a latte for you. Maybe it's not getting manicures or yeah. not taking a cab or whatever yeah. your short term sacrifices for your long term gain and when you look at it that way like so you your husband was eating peanut butter and jellies yeah and no jelly no jelly just peanut butter just, sa- peanut, butter. just peanut butter sandwiches yeah and no calves but that got you the apartment yeah which got us another apartment which got, well it's like those incremental successes add up they build they, they compound really build. on each other they do and i think that there's also like real we talk so much about the emergency fund at refinery 29 you know we can't even begin to dip our toes into investing because most women that are reading us don't even have the emergency they fund. need to start with that yeah. and it's so boring it's so boring so boring but it's also so cool to start saving a little bit and see it add up and mm-hmm. add up and add up i know everybody loves that digit app because i it, i just had someone download it today yeah i it's love the so digit good. app it's so good and I think that looking for things like that, you really get the momentum going and it feels really good. Well, and then like we were talking about, we were Instagram with followers, but mm-hmm. it's the same thing with savings. So first you get yeah. the $100 and then you get to 500 and yeah. then you get to the 1000 And then when you get to 1000 it just grows. It does. And then eventually your money, the, the key, I think, and the most exciting part is when you get your money to earn more money than you put in. So your account actually contributes more than you do. I'm not there yet. But what we can get, everyone should get there. And that is like an amazing moment when you're like, oh, the account made 2,000 and I only put in 1,000. Yeah, that's amazing. Which is amazing. But it all compounds. And so the one good decision then builds on the next good decision and then you grow from there, which is And that momentum is a game changer. And then when yeah. you have your emergency fund, when stuff goes wrong, which it always does. Always. And it always goes wrong in multiples oh in my, my life. God. It's I never had, just one thing that goes wrong. I had to pay for a very big tax bill this year. Plus um, day camp for the summer for my Oof. toddler came due at the same time. I was like, and this is why we have a healthy savings account. And it is all coming out. In one shot. In one shot. It was it was rough. But it's good to have it because otherwise then, as we talked about with credit card debt, it ends up, it can end up on a credit card yeah. and then they charge you interest and it's hard to get out from under that. Yes. This is awful. Yeah. No, and people save up the emergency fund and then what happens is you look at, they get the emergency fund, they start it, they get it set up and they're like, this is great, but now it doesn't do anything. I'm like, I know, it's not supposed to do anything. It's just supposed, to. just supposed to be there. No. Nope. <laughs> you don't want it to do anything. No. Nope. It's good right where it is. Yeah. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. I will say, though, for those of you who are listening, that if you have an emergency fund, one of the banks right now is paying a lot for an emergency fund, Ally Bank, A-L-L-Y, an online account, and you can get 2.2% interest for your account doing nothing because we want it to do 
nothing. Nothing. But at least then that way it pays you something for doing nothing. Yeah, it's nice when it pays you for it's doing nice nothing. It's nice for it to pay you when it's doing mm-hmm. nothing. But yeah, emergency funds are definitely definitely critical. Um, so maybe what we'll do is we can jump into some of the questions from our listeners. Yeah. Does this sound good? Yeah, I feel it like it's great. like a perfect segue. Because talking about with all the different money diaries, you've seen so many money diaries over the years. Um, what is the most surprising or unexpected thing that you've come across with the money diaries? It's funny that in a lot of ways, they're they're not surprising. Okay. You see a lot more like everybody's kind of doing the same thing. We're all shopping at Trader Joe's and we're all working out at Orange Theory and we all have a Sephora problem. <laughs> So I'm not alone. No, no, you're not alone. I think that that's why people read Money Diaries so that they don't feel Feel alone. alone. It's like, okay, we all have our skincare routines. We're seeing this new thing where people are talking about what they're wearing, which I think is really interesting. And I'll see if that takes off. I'm not sure. I've been most surprised by the way couples share money. I'm really fascinated by that. My favorite, and she's in the book, but she had a Money Diary before that, was a young woman in Queens who tracked all her spending in um, an Excel sheet Mm -hmm. and at the end of the month would essentially send her, I think it was her fiance, like an invoice for his like half of the expenses. And she said something to me that just like broke my heart in our interview where she said, I don't want to pay for him to go out to dinner with his friends. I used to feel incredibly judgmental about the way people spend their money. Mm-hmm. And I feel like coming out on the other side of money diaries, I feel like everybody just has to kind of figure it out for themselves. And while I think that that's kind of a huge waste of time, if that makes her feel better and feel in control of mm-hmm. her money, that that's great. And I'm glad that her and her fiance figured out something that works for them. Works for them. Yeah. I think how couples split money is a question I always get. And mm-hmm. as a single individual – um, and having gone through with my ex fiance, if you know, yeah. I have one experience that did not go very well. I never know what advice to give. So I always ask when we have couples on, cause we always only, only have one person in the couple on, right. right? We always ask how they split it and everyone does it. Everybody does it way. differently. Right. And I think the important thing is, does it work for you? Yeah. So that might not work for yeah. you. It would never work or, for me. But if it works for her and yeah. I don't want to say, does it bring you joy? But if it satisfies your needs and there's no problem, does it really right. matter to does you? Does it really matter? So if it matters to you to invoice and have it because it makes you feel better, then you should do it. If it doesn't matter to you, then maybe you don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. I always say that the hard thing about writing about personal finance is it's so personal. I, I know. And everybody really has to kind of navigate it for themselves. And that's why I think reading so many money diaries is so interesting because you can be like, oh, I will do that. And I, I will I, absolutely not do that. Never do that. So I ironically, when I bought, I so I own a practice besides this where I mm-hmm. manage money for individuals. And so when I bought the practice, I said to my family, well, I think I can automate a lot of this using an algorithm, which is technology, you know, using technology, I can expedite things. It can speed the process up because, you know, there's so many, very, so many inputs, right. And we could right. digitize some of this and make it right. And what I, so, you know, no one said anything to me, right. Like, Oh, you young person with your computers. So I went in and the reality of it is you can have the same exact inputs from your finances, right. You could make the same money. You could even have a very similar job. You could have same savings, same debt, same debt. You could have totally different goals. Yeah. And yeah. I can't, you can't account for that in no. and how you feel about money. No. You're feeling an emotion and attitudes and, and past experiences. Did you have trauma with money or did you yeah. not have trauma with money? Yeah. Totally impacts 
it's how amazing. It's, gonna be. it's pretty incredible. It's really interesting, isn't it? It is. I think it makes for t- such juicy conversation. It it absolutely does. I think one question we're going to start asking on our interviews is, what was your most positive experience with money? Mm. Like what memory do you have that was a positive money experience? And what was a memory that was a you know a challenge or a traumatic time with money? Yeah. And it seems that those experiences can impact how you handle money and your opinion of whether or not you'll succeed with it. Interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. Because sometimes what I find when I interview people, which I'm sure you see when you interviewed people for the book and with the Money Diaries is sometimes their obstacle for their success is, you know, their own perception of it. I think that's a big part of it. Not a hundred percent. Not always, but. But I think that's a big part of it. I think, uh, you know, for women in general, it's always been a feeling of like, we're not supposed to talk about it. Yes. Um, you know, we're not supposed to ask for more. And I don't think that, you know, giving the advice of, you know, speaking up and asking for a raise completely answers all of the problems. No, it doesn't. There's so many like systemic issues involved. But I do think that there is a little bit of like, you can do this mm-hmm. and it will not always be easy. And sometimes you'll just have to like Absolutely. put on your big girl pants and deal. But it is it is a matter of like even just thinking about it that can really change the game. Yeah. Your perception of, yeah, mm-hmm. your thought around it can change yeah. it. So let me ask you another question. Um, so you wrote an article on April 2nd about mm-hmm. the wage gap. The ratio is when working women only make 75% of what their male counterparts make. Working mothers. Working mothers right. only make 75% right. of what their male counterparts make. And the data says it'll take 130 years to hit pay wow. parity. I really won't be around news. for that. No, me neither. Unless there's a fountain of use somewhere. Or what is that called when they... Um, oh, when they freeze you? No, not oh. when they freeze you, when you like live forever. There's something... Oh, whatever. Okay. <laughs> I can't remember. It's a weird thing. Um, it's not something that I'm looking forward to. Living another 135 years. Yeah, the the gender April 2nd was equal pay day in the US. And that marked the day. It's an aggregate number, right? Mm -hmm. Of like all the different equal pay days. So I think white women's equal pay day was a couple weeks later. Asian American women equal pay day was a few weeks before. Like Latina women equal pay day is not until November, which is crazy. And it's the number of days into 2019 that women have to work to make the same amount that a man would work for all of 2018. Wow. Yeah. It's not good. No, it's not good at all. It's not good. And it's my... It's like my fourth equal payday at Refinery, and I just needed. I it gets a little tiresome to look at that stat again and again, year and, yeah, year and really year. think about like things are not getting better. Right. And while in the past we had really given it the advice about asking for more and you know standing up for yourself, and that's really important. I I don't want to take away from that. I think that we need to remember as individuals there is a lot we can do to further our own professional and financial yeah. goals, but. As a big society, it's not quite that simple. There's mm-hmm. a lot of problems. So we really dug into motherhood and how much motherhood can really impact your spending. And women receive what they call the motherhood penalty, where they see a 4% drop, where men um, you said get, an get increase, a fatherhood bonus, bonus of like 6%. It's pretty significant. It's really significant. I think it's really interesting. I, this always comes up as a women's issue, but when you're thinking about um, heterosexual couples issue, it's an economic issue. issue. And if I were a man and I knew that my wife who was a mother was making less, 
I would be concerned about that because that was hurting our family's bottom yeah, if, line. Because you file married filing joint. It's joint yes, income. It's joint income. And and that's money that's going to use to pay for your household. child's education yeah. and your household and all of those things. So I don't understand why men are not more concerned about it. I really think they should be. But Yeah. And I always say when advocating for a raise, you want to know what other people, I think it's fine to tell mm-hmm. other people what you're making, but I always say that it's not you don't want to just ask your female colleagues. You no. want to ask your male colleagues. Yes. It has to be a joint Yes, you really want to talk to your male, male colleagues. colleagues. Yeah. I've often heard, though, that they're less um, – they're more reticent to share. Oh, mm-hmm. really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I haven't heard that before. Yeah. And I worked in an all-male prior. I worked in an all-male – maybe because there just weren't as many females for me to ask because I worked right. on a trading floor. Right. Skewed very male. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's interesting to hear that. Do you think there's any, besides advocating for yourself, like what what would you say, what do you think we'll see over the next decade? Because it is getting, I think, um, it's coming up more in the media and it's getting more attention than it has been in the past. At least I feel like the attention has grown for it. Yeah, I think it definitely has. I think that it'll be interesting to look at the 2020 presidential, presidential election. election. That was a big thing that we looked at. We have so many women running for office. Yep. Many of them are mothers. Um, Elizabeth Warren is such a fantastic um, candidate in terms of like personal finance. Yep. She, is an, she is an expert in her own right. So I think that that's exciting. You know, we need things like universal health care. We need um, paid family leave. Yep. We need... Um, Childcare that's affordable. Childcare is so, such a huge expense. It's unbelievable. And, you know, families. It's prohibitive. It's really. prohibitive. Uh, in some states, it's people are spending more on childcare for infants to two or three year olds than they do on college education. Or on their mortgage. Yes, that <laughs> too. That too. I mean, I'm pretty damn close. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, we're very lucky living in Brooklyn that we at least have a lot of choices. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of places where there's, there's just no, there's this, daycare. This is the deserts. only, mm-hmm. yeah, this is the only choice. This is and... the only choice. So that's really, that's scary. And that's something that really needs to be fixed. And we won't, I don't think we're going to be able to close the gap until we reach those you know, achieve those things. But I also think that we need to remember that we weren't women working is is still kind of new. White women were white women working is still kind of new. And we, if you look back in society, if as you a whole, look in society yeah. as a whole, you know, my grandmother worked but part time, and after her kids were grown, my mother worked full time. But I'm only really third generation of you know mm-hmm. women making big strides in the workforce. I will again say white women, yep. um, and that that I think is significant. And so we see little changes here and there. We see more women starting businesses and Mm -hmm. a lot of those businesses as they grow really take into account how do they become better places for mothers to work. And that's really exciting. Absolutely. And you see big companies, you know, mixed. They offer the benefits if people are able to take them. That's complicated. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, you don't see as a female entrepreneur, you don't meet a ton of other female entrepreneurs. Yeah, yeah. I need to introduce you to some. I know. Yeah, you you should introduce <laughs> so you can play an entrepreneur matchmaker. Yeah, you can I introduce could. me to some. I could. Um, so let's do another uh, question. So if you could go back ten years and do a personal finance do over, what would you do differently? That's so hard. So ten years ago, where was I? What what year would that be? So that was right before I got married. Oh. Um, and two thousand nine was the year I um I bought our apartment and um. So that was like a good year. I think like maybe I'll only go back seven years. Okay. <laughs> <'cause> then, 
<laughs> like all my money that year went to buy a house and then to get married. Um, and that all like kind of worked out. But I was, I, I'm, we've been so slow to invest. Like we do 401ks and all of that, mm-hmm. but like really putting our money in the market beyond, you know, beyond, you know, what we were. Your work retirement. We're work retirement. We've been, you know, had money, an embarrassing amount of cash sitting in a savings account. But that's typical for millennials. When, yeah. when you study the millennial, um, they tend to hold more cash than other generations. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was nerve wracking. We all watched I mean, the market get, fall out in 2008 and I right. lost my job in 2010. And I really think looking back, that you has know, an it's, impact. it's funny though, because when I think about that, it's like, so we bought that apartment mm-hmm. I changed jobs. I lost a job. I was unemployed for six months. I worked for a very small startup where I had no benefits and I made very little money. And then I landed at refinery and kind of like got my life together and um, started investing. So I'm not sure even if I went back seven years, I would have had the wherewithal to do it. To make a change. Yeah. And they kind of, I think, which is why I think it's so great with the book and the the money diaries and that it's got the cult following is it's starting to educate people at a younger age. Yes. Cause I find that financial literacy comes about when there's a problem or later yes. when you're like, Oh, I'm an adult now. This isn't working. Yes. I need some help. And so it's engaging a young, it's engaging the younger millennials and trying, I think getting them interested in this conversation sooner than they would have been. Yeah. We were talking a lot about college students recently and how do you, you know, you see those like investing clubs in Mm -hmm. college and it's all men. Yep. Like, how do you get women involved in that? I would love to like figure out how to crack that nut because it's just so interesting to me. I agree. Like, how do you engage them? Because Mm -hmm. if if it's something that's being forced on you, you're not going to, you're not going to get any benefit. Yeah. You have, they have to want to participate. They want to have to want to participate. And you have to figure out a way to make it a little sexy <laughs> and like not have guys involved. I hate to say that. Like, I think that, but I do think that I can't imagine feeling comfortable when I was 19 being in a room of guys talking about the stock market. I wouldn't be comfortable now being in a room of guys talking about the stock market. No, I wouldn't. It, it's just, well, the way they take on, they, they, the way they digest data and it just changes the the dynamic in the room. Not to say that there's anything wrong with that, but I... It does. It changes the dynam- dynamic a bit. It does. You can be a little bit more free. You don't have to be as embarrassed. Yeah. You know, you can... Yeah. No, I, I agree. But I would be interested to know because I think that if you can... The sooner you learn about personal finance, the better off you are long-term. Yeah. But it's hard to get younger people engaged, like college students mm-hmm. engaged because, I mean, I don't blame them. I was in college too, like... Yeah, there's better things there's to do. There's better things to do. I didn't think about money at all in college. Yeah, I mean, so I thought I only thought about it a little bit because I had to make the decision about where to go. Right. And it came down, my dad said, I had to figure out how many more tables I'd have to wait as a waitress. So the only reason I thought about it was because I was forced to make a decision based on how many more tables I had to wait on. And, you know, a $10 tip at a table, it was like a lot more tables yeah. to go to the college that didn't have the scholarship. It was really smart that your dad did that. Well, it was relatable, right? So he took yeah, something. but he was really smart to do that. Yeah, my dad's a smart man. I'm lucky. But otherwise, if he had just said, he said the number, right? Like yeah. you get 40000 you know, in scholarship yeah. over four years here, or you could go to this school. And I was like, oh, I'll go to that school. He's like, well, how many, like 40000 is a lot of money after tax. I was like, but it doesn't, it's yeah. just a number. It's just a number. I have no idea what that means. It really is. So then he's like, okay, well, you're going to be waiting table. So let's sit down and average bill is yeah. $50. So you get maybe 10 if they're nice tippers. Maybe you get five. So we could 
you know, maybe we'll average out at 750. Yeah. So how many tables do you have to wait? And then he took, you know, I take money out for taxes. And then, so when I figured out how many tables that was, it was a lot, a, you, a lot of, he did the math. Cause I was just like, well, this is absorbent. So yeah. then I thought more carefully about, yeah. but I think part of engaging the college is making it more relatable and a little bit sexier. Yeah. You could do that almost like a money diary, right? Like what mm -hmm. does a $40,000 salary get you? How, you know, yeah, you, how much rent can you afford? How mm -hmm. much, like, what are you going to have left over for spending after you cover all your expenses? Yeah. And what are taxes? People don't really understand taxes. No, we don't even dip into that on in money diaries. Yeah. Taxes is really interesting Yeah, because you have an adversarial, I always say it's an adversarial relationship with taxes and it's yes. really your choice how much you pay. Yes. Whenever... <laughs> Whenever I have a big tax bill, I'm always like, the roads, infrastructure, <laughs> civil, you know, all the, all, what are all the benefits that I'm getting from paying the schools? Yeah, the, what am I paying for? Yeah, what am I, I, know, I paying when for? When I hit a pothole, I'm like, Jesus, I spent a lot of money on my taxes. <laughs> Can they fix this? I know. Yeah. So that would, I think it would be really interesting to engage um, the young, younger, I guess younger they're not audience. even- they're not even millennials, right? Because college students would be our Gen Z. Gen Z. Yeah. yeah how do we crazy. get Gen Z yeah. involved? Interesting. So I think I already asked you, what What do you think, this is similar to what was most surprising about the Money Diaries, but do you see a theme with the most common mistake that people make? Where you see it and think, ooh, that's not good. I think that it goes back to the personal finance is so personal. Mm -hmm. Nobody ever makes, like everybody kind of makes different mistakes. mistakes. I. You know, you see some waste. You see some okay. stuff that you're like, oh, you really shouldn't do that. One of my favorite diarists, she's in the book too, but she had written a diary before. And she was making like $26,000 living in LA, living at home, but still paying, I think, $500 in rent to her okay. parents to kind of help her parents. And every morning for the first three days, she went out and bought a $5 coffee on her way to work. And then that evening, she was like, I've been doing my money diary and I realized that I've spent $15 on coffee this week. So I'm buying a coffee maker. And she started making her coffee the next day or later, you know, at, at some point. And when she did her follow-up diary in the book, she's still making coffee every morning. That's amazing. And it's become like a ritual for her that she really appreciates. And so I really loved kind of I always tease people that like if you really want to get good with your money, like do a money diary because mm -hmm. it is very illuminating, like what you spend your money on and what you don't. Um, yeah, when you have to sit down and I think one of the great things about the money diaries and then also for our guests who have come on is you before you can talk to me or if you're going to write a money diary, mm -hmm. you have to know where the money you can't yeah. just be like. The money disappeared. I didn't. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. You, you really have to like, you know, get real with that. Where that, did it go? Where you waste it? Where you spend it smartly? Mm -hmm. And I often think, if I did a money diary, would I be embarrassed with this purchase? So even though oh, I don't that's really do a money diary, I'm like, would I feel guilty about this later would on? Would I be able to put this in black and white? Yeah. Or internet? would it be like, come on, Lindsay, you really didn't need that. That's really interesting. Yeah. That's fine. a good way. I should think about that too with spending. Yeah. Would I put this, would I put this in a money diary? Yeah. Because what we find um, with our guests is when they go to add everything up, sometimes they don't realize either one or the other that they have so much saved or that they have so much debt. Right. We've seen both where they like, before they come on, they like email me and they're like, I didn't know yeah. that I had this yeah. until, because it's easy to kind of ignore it and do minimum payments it and, is. and not think about you know, she looks at her budget and is like, wow, I'm spending like 30% on coffee. Yeah. And I don't even really like it that much. Like I would rather do something else with the money. Yeah. 
Yeah, when you begin to think what else you can do with that money, I think is another motivator. Like, what could that $5 go toward that's better? That's better. Yeah, and serves like more of my goals. Yeah. Like maybe I want a vacation. Yeah. Right. So we'll we'll do our last question here from our listeners. So you've been, uh, you've interviewed some pretty amazing successful women. Yeah. Do you have a role model for career? And then is it the same person for money or? Yeah, that's hard. Um, in part because I've talked to so many women and in part because I feel like that puts a lot of pressure on people to like yes. be that role model, right? I love Tiffany DeFu. She wrote this fantastic book called Drop the Ball okay. that I read right after I returned from work. And talks a lot about kind of giving up on perfectionism, which is something I really struggle with. And I think being a working mother, you just kind of have to throw that out the window. I was thinking about it this morning. Um, as I, <laughs> My cleaning lady came today, which is also another thing that we're all working mothers should be lucky enough to be able to afford. Um, but she's fantastic and has just built a really amazing career and um, is very, you know, proactive in women's entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And this book is just incredible. Um, and I think in the personal finance space, I, you know, I, I love Sally Krawcheck. I think she's so fantastic. She's just a, a great supporter of young women mm-hmm. and really like walks the talk. I've, yes. I've met, so many famous women, I won't say any names, who like you meet them and you're like, you're not actually that nice. Oh, that's terrible. It is terrible. And, and Sally, disappointing, right? It is really disappointing, especially when you like look up to them and you're like, oh, I just, I worship the ground you walked on and you're you, mean. Me, yeah. But Sally is is just so generous with her time and her energy and I think is very smart and funny. And and for our listeners, she's the founder of Elvest. Which she's is, the founder yeah. of Elvest, and, um, which is a great platform yep. for young women to dip their toes into investing, which Absolutely. I think is so important. Um, she's really exciting. And I guess I should also, this is going to sound cheesy, but my mom. No, I um, think that's great because you learn a lot of your habits from, from, yes. your, from your family. Um, she was a working mother. And um, when I was a teenager, I told her that one time that she made it look easy and she felt really guilty because oh, she was like, it's oh, not easy it's not at easy. all. And now I'm on the other side of it. I'm like, you didn't actually really make it. Like, I see I see why you were always late. I see <laughs> why certain things didn't get done. Like, you know, I so I really I appreciate that I can look back. And she took a bunch of time off um, when my son was first born and helped oh, wow. take care of him. Um, essentially, became like a stay-at-home grandmother. That's so nice. And it was so nice. Even this week, even this weekend, I called her and I said, like, can you come over? I just <laughs> need 45 minutes to go to Bed Bath & Beyond and be alone. <laughs> alone in Bed Bath & Beyond. Beyond. <laughs> he's two and a half now and he is like, we are like feeling those twos. Uh, and he's wonderful, but I was just like, I just need a break. I need a moment. And so I left her with him and I came back and she had fed him dinner, which is like this huge battle we have every night. And I was like, you just like made my whole oh, day. Right. Like, like my weekend is made. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. So she is really like, I don't think that I would be able I have a fantastic husband and he is a very good partner but I would not be able to do what I do if my mom wasn't close and helping me out as much as she does yeah that sounds like that's I, nice to have I tease her that it it all worked out you know she wasn't there for pickup at 3 p.m when I was a kid but this I, is better I had right? to go to after school but this is so, so much, much better. better this is so much better like 11 year old Lindsay can just hang out yeah you can deal <laughs> I I need it now yeah no that's yeah. fantastic 
Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, this is so fun. This is great. So for our listeners, you can pick up the book Money Diaries at Amazon. You should also check out Refinery29's website and follow Money Diaries. Um, you can also get her book on my website, which is barbaraginty.com. And then we'll do, um, you can follow Lindsay on Instagram. Yeah. We were talking that we both want more Instagram yeah, followers. Yeah, we do. So follow Lindsay on Instagram. Um, and you can check out our podcast on Instagram and like us and leave a comment. And for those of you that want to take more classes and learn more about personal finance, you can check out our classes at financial.com. Thanks. Thank you. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.